My name is Amane Mehfar. I'm from Iran, and I'm a PhD candidate in the School of International Relations at the University of St. Andrews. I was born in Ahvaz, which is a city in the province of Khuzestan in southern Iran. But my father is from Tehran. My mother is from Rasht. I lived in Ahvaz until I was seven, and then we moved to Dubai and later on to Germany. But I always go back to Iran over summer. I usually spend my summers there. And I also lived from 2013 to 2015 in Tehran. Now when I go back, it's usually to Tehran. That is where my family is. That's where my parents are. Tehran is in uh, central Iran. It is surrounded by mountains. Ahvaz in southern Iran. It is a very, very warm place, actually. Just a few weeks ago, they said that it was the hottest city in the world. In Ahvaz, there are a lot of date trees. It is similar to, say, Gulf countries. It is not green. It doesn't rain much. Tehran is known to have the four seasons. You do have a very cold winter. You have warm summers. You do have a beautiful spring. And the fall, it is really like fall. It rains a bit. It's a bit cold. While in Ahvaz, most of the time, it's very warm. It can get cold in the winter for a few weeks, but uh, most of the time it is very hot. I was born in 1985, and that was in the midst of the Iran-Iraq war. And as I said, I was born in Ahwaz, and Ahwaz is the biggest city that is uh, the closest to the front. And my parents actually moved to Ahwaz because of the war, because my dad is a doctor, and many physicians moved to Ahwaz because they had this big field hospital in Ahwaz. I have vague memories of the war. I do remember the uh, sirens that were played on the radio when there was an air attack. I remember the shelters that we went into when there were the airstrikes. But obviously I was very young. So at that point, I didn't really realize what a war was or that our lives were at danger. It is obviously a bit different from my older siblings. They understood it. They knew what was a war. They knew what was going on. But I do find it interesting that when my mom talks about it now, it sounds like she's just telling a story. While if I imagine it now that I would have to live in a war, it sounds very scary for me. But when my mom talks about it, it sounds like a normal life. She says, yes, we didn't know if we were going to be alive the next day. But life was going on. They had their normal day-to-day life. So the war ended in 1988 and we moved to Dubai in 1991. And we moved to Dubai because there is an Iranian hospital in Dubai and my dad worked there. We did go to Iran very often, usually twice a year, always over summer. And I also uh, went to an Iranian school in Dubai. So although we lived in Dubai, it always felt that we are actually sort of living in a city in Iran. When I was 16, I moved to Germany with my parents because my dad was offered a job position in Cologne at an Iranian foundation that brought the veterans of Iran-Iraq war to Germany, the veterans who needed treatment, and those treatments were not always available in Iran. About eight years ago, my parents moved back to Iran. I stayed in Germany, studied there, and in 2012, I moved to Scotland and started doing my master's degree here at St. Andrews. During the years that we didn't live in Iran, we always went back there over summer or for other holidays. Every few years, I did notice a difference in the country. And now this could be with very small things. The fashion, for example, how women dressed. 
it became more and more colorful. It became more and more diverse. You would see that the scarves are slipping back and you would see more and more hair, for example, coming out, something that was not that common to see, say, 25 years ago. Women were covered more. You also just see that the country is opening up more. Many small things that were taboos, maybe even 10 years ago. Now I'm going to tell you a very small example and that this might sound silly. But for example, tweezing eyebrows for girls, that was a taboo until it was said that they should not tweeze their eyebrows, shape their eyebrows until they were married. And I remember I was 16. That was just the summer before we moved to Germany. I went to Iran and I decided one day that I wanted to shape my eyebrows. So I did it without asking my mother. I came back home and she was very shocked. And she was like, why did you do that? You're not married. And I said, well, I want to do it. And I remember that day we went to a party and everyone looked at me like I had done something very strange. And, and that was when I was 16. So that was about 14 years ago. Nowadays, this is obviously very normal. I have a 16-year-old niece and I told her this story and she couldn't understand it, why people were so shocked back then. So these are these small things that have changed, but this is in line with the bigger trend of the society becoming more liberal. It is part of the globalization of people getting more information, but I think it is also the normal development. It was an Islamic revolution. Many people became very conservative. Many people became ideologues. And then it was the Iran-Iraq war. When the war ended, people were preoccupied with other things. During those years, for many people, it was about survival. Iran has a very vibrant civil society. People are very politically engaged. I've hardly seen it in any other country for the average citizen to be so much interested in politics. Every time that you take a taxi in Iran, the taxi driver talks the whole ride about politics, which is something that you might not be familiar with in other countries. We have a very strong women's rights movement. We have civil rights movement. We have a labor rights movement. I'm very optimistic about Iran's future, but I must say I am a realistic optimist. I have very realistic expectations. I do think it will still take a few decades for Iran, for example, to become completely a liberal society. And that is why I don't get easily frustrated with the situation. I think my generation learned a big lesson after Ahmadinejad was elected as president. Towards the end of Khatami's second term as a president, I remember there were a lot of frustration. People said, well, we didn't get everything that we wanted. And I remember when Ahmadinejad ran for the office the first term, I know from my own friends and family, not everyone took part at elections. They said Khatami was just not good enough. And then Ahmadinejad was elected and we had the eight years of Ahmadinejad. And we saw the difference. And we, I think we learned that even if we were not completely happy with the way things went during Khatami time, it was a step towards the right direction. And I think we learned that we need to have reasonable expectations of what can be done without the framework of the Iranian politics, given that within that framework and structure, at times only small steps are possible. But as long as they're into the right direction, we have learned that we should say, well, it's good enough for now. So I am very optimistic for the future of Iran. When I see 
the generation of my niece, who is now 15 or 16, when I see them, when I see the way they think, when I see people are also my generation, but also when I see the generation of my father, of my mother, the people who were very conservative, the people who were ideologues 30-something years ago, 20-something years ago. I think about my parents 10 years ago, and I compare it to the way they think now. They are both big reformists now. This was not the case 10 years ago. When I see now what they want, how they want a society to be, then I must say I'm optimistic. That is the way that the society is changing. Yes, big part of it, I think, is internet. 15 years ago, when there was no internet, the source of information was the Iranian national TV. That is where we got the news. We got one narrative of how things are done. But with the information technology, with internet, you are getting information from so many different sources. And people, obviously, when you are exposed to information, even if you were conservative, I think many conservative people that I know at some point, they did start thinking. And I think many of them have changed their mind. My parents are not less religious now, but they are a lot more liberal than they were 10 years ago. I am optimistic that we are moving towards the right direction. I think most people don't want another revolution. Most people believe in reforms. Now we have come to see it is all about evolution and reforms and not about revolution. <laughs> I'm Hugo Cordenloyd. I'm studying for an MLIT in Iranian studies at the University of St. Andrews. Last year, I spent four months living in Tehran. I lived in the Middle East when I was younger and spent a lot of time in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. So when I was planning going to university, I knew that was the region I wanted to focus on. So I went to the School of Oriental and African Studies, did history there. And in my third year, I took some really interesting classes on Iran and ended up writing my dissertation on Iranian foreign policy. The more I studied about Iran, the more I found I wanted to know about it. So upon finishing my bachelor's, the next stage was to visit and to spend time there. And I also knew that I wanted to learn a language. So I decided to go and do a Persian language course in Tehran at the University of Tehran. When I went, Iran still didn't have a consulate or consular services in the UK. So I did all my visa application through the Iranian embassy in Istanbul. I had previously spent two weeks sitting in Istanbul waiting for a visa that was then rejected. So I went back to the UK for a few more months and then tried again. And this time spent three days in Istanbul, was accepted and then left from there to go to Tehran. Landed at about two in the morning, made my way through the airport, found a taxi, spent the first night in a hotel in the centre of a city that I really didn't know very much about before eventually moving to a dormitory of uh, University of Shahid Beheshti, which is in the north of Tehran. And that's where I spent four months living because due to visa restrictions, as a British student, it was the only place I was allowed to live. Having studied Iran during my undergraduate degree, I had some idea of it as a country and well, what makes it Iran. But when you study something through the prism of history or politics, it is a very narrow view. You don't get an idea of what's going on on a ground level or how the people feel or think. 
when I was on the plane, there was a bit of worry, wondering if maybe I had been naive, maybe it was going to be a difficult place to adapt to over these four months. But when I landed, everything went so smoothly. And since coming back from Iran, the biggest change in my thinking about the country is now whenever I see an article in the news, whenever I read about Iran, there's more than an abstract concept there. And I'm thinking about my friends who live in Tehran, all the people I met all the people who treated me with the most humbling hospitality, people that invited me into their homes, the people that wanted to talk to me about any number of things, from my experience as an Englishman to Brexit. When I was out there and the referendum was announced, there were a lot of Iranians that wanted to talk about it. And it's very difficult to separate that experience from a headline that only focuses on the international situation or the politics. I know now it's somewhere I want to keep engaged with and, and want to keep going back to. It's somewhere that really rewards that engagement. And the more language I learn, the more studying I do about the country and the more I can put into context the experience I had whilst I was there with the people and the culture and the more I can marry that with what I read. I think it's very important to be able to do that because an issue I found when researching my dissertation is that a lot of people have built careers out of painting Iran as a continuous threat or just made careers out of writing about Iran and they've never been there. Therefore, I think they lack an important perspective which sees Iran as a complete country of its history, its culture, its cuisine, its music and its people. And instead, it's just viewed as a threat. And it's not. I think too often Iran is reduced to its politics and to being viewed through a security framework, whereas actually it should be viewed like any other country, one that has a myriad of different layers and different complexities that all are acting together to make it a fascinating country to visit and study. <laughs> Hoş gel pal sende